This is how River Cartwright slipped off the fast track and joined the slow horses. Hello. We are. Hello, hello, Tim. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Get, no, try and try and keep to the niceties. We're standing on a street near the city of London. Yes, with quite uh, noisy traffic. Yeah, quite noisy traffic. We've got the Barbican behind us. Yes, uh, the we're, we're at a bus stop. On, a bus stop. on Aldersgate Street. On Aldersgate Street, looking at a uh, a row of shops and offices in a slightly run-down uh, building. Uh, yes, there's a news agents uh, and a cafe across the road, and yeah. you've got Barbican Tube about sort of ten o'clock, haven't you? Yeah. And then you've got the whole of the Barbican behind you. We are not, we are not sat in a bus stop on a busy street. All right, cut the sound. <laughs> we are actually sat in our houses in the midst of lockdown three, um, mm. uh, the uh, the third COVID lockdown. We might want to remind our dear listener what this podcast is about, actually. Yeah, before I go plunging into the book, uh, it's probably a good idea to do that. Uh, this is the Curiously Specific Book Club. Why do we call it Curiously Specific, Tim? Because we want to be curiously specific about dates and locations. That's the T-shirt slogan, isn't it? That's the T-shirt slogan. Uh, we, but we, in works we... of fiction, I think it's important to say that we like to take books that are yeah. works of fiction and then be annoyingly detailed yeah. about the places and the dates that they mention in the book to see if they've been making things up, Lloyd, because writers, that's writers not make, allowed. Writers making things up, yeah. Um, it's probably also worth saying that we um, we are a, a plot-spoiler-rich environment. Oh, yes, I like the way you said that. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't even prepare that. It just came to me. No, that's very good. Yeah, so particularly with this book, because there are quite a lot of plot twists. It's a, th- a thriller of sorts, isn't it? So it um, it's, if, you, if you don't like the idea of uh, n- knowing a few of the p- key plot points in a book, it's probably best to read it before you listen to us spoil it for you. So the book we've chosen is Slow Horses by Mick Heron. Which Would is a like very a popular spy novel, isn't it? Massive. Mass- published in... Oh, it's published twice, really. Well, it? that's published... a yeah, conundrum. It's published first, published in 2010. Didn't do that well. No. Publisher chose not to support it. And then yeah. I think it was John Murray, someone at John Murray. John Murray Mick, read it and loved it. Yeah. yeah. Called up Mick Heron and said, I think we want to give this another go. We're going to repackage it. Republished in 2015. And now is a phenomenally successful series. Yeah. Uh, with yeah. several several books in it. And now a, a, an Apple TV series coming along with Gary Oldman. With, with Gary Oldman. With um, Gary Oldman. Who's already played Smiley, right? So exactly. Smiley and... Uh, we should set the scene for us on this book, Tim. What's yes, the, what's, we what's should. The, give, give, us a quick, give us a quick narrative overview. Well, um, I, do you know what? I actually, because I'm, I, I like to do this, I read the second book in the series. I, don't I read the second book in the series as well. It's Sleeping Lions. Dead Lions. They're not dead sleeping. Lions. They're dead. Dead Lions, okay. <laughs> dead Lions. Yeah, and actually it has a much better summary of the setup of the book, really. And it starts with Back on Alders. Gate Street, where where we nominally are, and it says, and we're looking at a house called Slough House, and Slough House, which was not its real name, it didn't have a real name, was openly acknowledged to be a dumping ground. Assignment here was generally temporary, because those assigned here usually quit before long. That was the point of sending them, to light a sign above their heads reading, Exit. Slow horses, they were called. Slough House, Slow horse. 
a wordplay based on a joke whose origins were almost forgotten. So that's not bad, is it? I I mean, why why you didn't write that in the first book? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So that's from Dead Lions setting up the the milieu. And in, in this one, we're introduced to the main characters. So there's this, there's Jackson Lamb, who is the, I guess the boss of the slow horses has an office at the top of the building. Yes. Um, has been put in Slough House for reasons that were never, are never clear. Yes. Uh, although we need to say this is a spy novel. They are all part of um, MI5, aren't they? They're all part of MI5. Yeah. Mm. So they're not in the main MI5 building, which is referred to throughout the book as Regent's Park. And we'll come to that. And then the other main character we're introduced to is River Cartwright who is the uh, is sort of the protagonist I guess of the book mm. who is a youngish spy working for MI5 and makes a complete hash of a um, training group an drill? exercise a training exercise mm. in King's Cross station and that's the first chapter of the book yeah about a suicide uh, bomber as about if there was a suicide, a suicide bomber. bomber attack a repeat of the he, kind of 2007 kind of yeah. stuff that they're practicing uh, and he screws it so all he up ma- he screws it all up and as a result is um, is stuck in in Slough House so that's the setup and then it's about uh, a kidnap of a young Muslim man who's held by some far-right white supremacists. They say uh, they're going to behead him on, on YouTube, aren't they're they? They're going to behead him on YouTube. Well, they, there's lots of references to them uploading videos to BBC blogs, right? Which is, I don't think it's possible. And I don't think it was ever possible for people to <laughs> upload videos into the comments of BBC blogs. But So, so they're a bunch of losers, this, aren't they, basically? They are a bunch of losers. And, and it's an ensemble piece. I think part of the reason why it's become a good series is that basically what happens is you've got Jackson Lamb, the boss, and you've got this sort of, sort of, I'd call him the romantic lead. He's a bit like the guy in the bodyguard or something, isn't he? River Cartwright. Yeah. And then you've got in the office, you've got a compute, someone who's someone who's ex-army. You've got someone who's really good at computers. You've got, yeah. and they've all got into trouble for various reasons. And you got Sid, the glamorous. Y- yeah. Uh, the and glamorous the, I think that what happens is that spot. they all they all have their sort of backstories, and then they can be foregrounded when it's interesting, and take put in the background yeah. when not. So yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, it's almost like a little soap opera going on in a really yeah, yeah. boring office. Talking about Slough House, it says its front door lurks in a dusty recess between commercial premises in the borough of Finsbury, a stone's throw from Barbican Underground Station. To its left is a former newsagent's, now a newsagent's grocer's off-license, with DVD rental, a blooming sideline, that dates it. Uh, to To its right, the New Empire Chinese restaurant, whose windows are constantly obscured by a thick red curtain. So it's he's he's being quite specific its mm-hmm. ancient black paintwork is spattered with road splash and the shallow pane of glass above betrays no light within it's so you think you've located the actual door i do do you want to see yeah. it yeah go on Check, i can it, share it on my, my screen it's great for podcasts where you uh, show things to people it might as well give you a sense of place <laughs> but actually i have to you know who we have to thank quite a lot for this Jeff Spyrite, one of our Jeff at Spyrite, yeah, yeah, one, yeah of our avid, one of our one of our few avid listeners, yeah, and has always been he's listeners. always been really helpful and uh, yeah. come up with comments. But actually, he's got a his own blog at Spyrite, and he came yeah. to London, and he's a massive Mick Heron fan. 
he's he's he interviewed he's interviewed him. Karen seems to be very generous with his time for doing interviews. There's quite a lot of interviews with him around the place. Yeah, he seems like a nice fella, actually. I have he to does. say. Here we okay, are. We're doing Street View. Okay, Street View. There okay. we are. There, there's Exciting. there's the bridge. What you're looking at there, if I zoom in, a news Mailbox, agent, etc. A news agent. A news agent. Very good. And a rest, a cafe that may or may cafe. not have been a Chinese Gate restaurant. Grill Cafe. Gate so Grill Cafe. So to be clear, you would Nell come out, you would, to find this place, you mm. would come to Barbican Station, you'd yeah. go up the steps, you turn left, correct? And walk north up Aldersgate Street. Yes, you do. And it's basically yeah. number 26. No, 126. 126, Aldersgate, a purple door. I think in the interview with Jeff, Mick Heron says yes that's it confirms yeah, that's, that that's it. it and that and there is quite a lot of detail about how you could go um up on the bridge onto barbican and sit on a bench yeah. on uh, opposite it and keep an eye on it there's a certain yeah. point that's all true too hey there's a guy standing at 126 with a did you see that yeah could be mick heron well actually in a previous goomat when i zoomed in on the window there's someone standing at the window staring at me uh. i was a bit worried i was uh, <laughs> wondering who that was yeah now I got a bit curious about about that building and thought I'll just do a bit of spying, which I found quite interesting. That obviously, um, actually, if you put in the address, I started looking up through Companies House, <laughs> companies that have a registered address there. And there's, there's loads of them. This is one of them. Anne Swinnon founded BECS, your training provider. I'd write a training British company that delivers customized business management and mental health courses worldwide. That looks like a spy front to me immediately. That's definitely doesn't it? a spy front. And look, they they work in Bahrain and Belgium and the Embassy of Belgium. Definitely spies. No <laughs> question. Right. Well, I tell you what, it gets a, it gets it gets it gets curiouser. Registered there is a, the main company that's to look out for is one called Chaplin Benedict, founded by Lynn Chaplin and Fabien Benedict Souan. In '99, and they are basically corporate lawyers for helping entrepreneurs set up companies. And if you start looking up them, Linda Ann Chaplin, 71 appointments. My word! Right, and look how it looks. She's basically setting up Athena Composites, Straker Enterprises, Crimson Estates, Madison Pride. If you look at any of these things, they're set up. And then shut down. They're, they are basically, they're, they're setting up off-the-shelf company. And then she resigns. Once they're set up, she resigns and hands them over to you, basically. So I'm not saying there's anything illegal about this. But it would I'm be just a saying, perfect cover for a spy. It's quite amazing how many companies operate out of, that, out of that address set up by this woman. It's good, isn't it? One last thing. One thing I noticed, right, when I was looking. When I was looking on Street View, if we go back and st- sit, sit virtually at the bus stop, right, and I look across and I zoom in, what's that on the shelf? Oh, blimey, what is that? What, what is that? What is that? <laughs> is that something to ward off pigeons? Is it like a fake owl or something? It is a fake owl. They oh. put a fake owl up there. Do you know how long I spent looking up <laughs> conspiracy theories about what owl signs mean outside windows? <laughs> I imagine... And you immediately uh, got to the right answer. I I took a good hour, but and in the meantime, found a a website about the secret owl society, (laughs) and evidence the chief symbol of an elite yet undiscovered secret society moving through history, uh, as written by a Madrid-based author and lecturer who's who's who knows about the secret owl society. 
So it's not, you His may think books include include Mayan masonry. I'm assuming he doesn't mean uh, brickwork. <laughs> All I'm saying is you may think you're just scaring off pigeons. There's more to it than that. But I am telling you something, Boris. This guy has got my blood up, all right? And there is nothing which I won't do to get my revenge. It's as simple as that. Uh, how badly are you, you going to hurt this guy? Not badly at all. He will not have a broken limb or broken arm. And he will not uh, He will not be put into intensive care or anything like that. He will he'll probably get a couple of black eyes and a cracked rib or something like that. Nothing which you didn't suffer in rugby, okay? But you get scared, and that's what I want him to do. Thank you, Terry. I said I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't worry. Boris, I really mean it. I love you. Yes. Um, taken out of context, that conversation could indeed seem embarrassing. Curiously specific. Curiously specific. Booker. Do you want to talk a little bit about Mick? Because you, you, you discuss. I mean, I, I wanted to. I want to talk about where Mick Heron was working while yes. he wrote Slow Horses, because I think it's got a really interesting impact on the, uh, how should we say, the topography of the book. I think that's good because presumably he did work around that area because he seems to be very familiar with it, right? This is an interview with CrimeReads.com, and he talks about spending fifteen years working as a sub editor for a legal journal journal at Thomson Reuters. Ah. It was specifically for lawyers, so fairly technical stuff there. So he spent 15 years working there, and he only gave it up in 2017, actually. So he was writing quite successful books while still uh, working. And he had, he had written some books beforehand that didn't really sell. Yeah. And he says in lots of interviews that he always thought he was going to write, but he always thought he was going to work as well because he was never going to sell enough books to write. So I looked up Thomson Reuters, and uh, yeah. they had offices. Uh, obviously, they're a huge company. Their main their main office is in Canary Wharf. But then I found a reference in thebaron.info. Thomson Reuters moves to to move to New London home, but they also had buildings at Thirty South Colonnade, right. Thirty Three Aldgate High Street, uh-huh. One Mark Lane, and Fifty Eight to Sixty Four City Road. Oh, so City Road runs north from uh, around Moorgate Station and parallel to Aldersgate Street. Yes, right. So the the the, the point of that is is that is that it's about a nine or ten minute walk from Barbican Tube, but crucially, it's almost the same walk from Moorgate Tube, but from in a slightly different direction. So this is where my anal uh, uh, tube lines and uh, walking oh, come on then. comes in, Tim. So uh, Mick Heron lives in Oxford. He said he was working for Thomson Reuters. Yes. Um, he said that in one of them to me, he talks about Slough House being near the station, that he, the tube station he got to every morning. Yes. Now, if you were getting the train from Oxford to Thomson Reuters on City Road, you would get the train to Paddington. Correct. You would get out from Paddington Station. The only direct tube link to that part of the world is on the Hammersmith and City line, which passes through Paddington Station. Yes. And you would get the train to Paddington Station. You'd then have a choice, Tim. To either get off yeah, the train yeah. at Barbican, which is yeah. a slightly longer walk, but yeah. it's only a minute longer, or stay on the train and get off at Morgate. Yeah. But then, to go back to the book, he talks about River, who's the oh, River car ride. I'm glad you're going to talk guy. about this, because this is a bit of joined up thinking about this, yeah. He talks about his, him walking through the back of the Barbican Centre. Flashbox under one arm, he cut through the estate... 
to the row of shops beyond. Supermarket, newsagents, stationers, barbers, Italian restaurants. 15 minutes later, he was at Moorgate. Interestingly, the estate, it could be the Barbican estate, but you, that's more of walking through a tunnel. I think he's actually walking through the Golden Lane estate. I agree. Which is the, which is the housing estate just north of the Barbican. There is a Waitrose supermarket in that estate. Yeah. Because uh, I used to buy sandwiches there when I was working around there. And 15 minutes later, was, he was at Moorgate. Now, I can, and I'm, I'm sure you'll come to this when you come to Regent's Park. The only reason to walk from Barbican to Moorgate is if you want to get a different tube line. Correct. Right? Yeah, that must be right. So, yeah. I'll let you talk about the tube line. Okay. But the, the, other, the, other thing, the other thing I want to draw, there's two other things I want to draw reference to. One is there's a couple of references to a terrible pub on the corner. Yeah, right? it's got to be you the Shakespeare. Both knew, both knew instantly which terrible pub he was talking about, <laughs> which is the Shakespeare yeah. on Aldersgate Street, right? And that is where you would you would turn right off Aldersgate Street through there to cut through Golden Lane, right? That's where you would go. Okay, I am now going to share my screen because there's something else that this hypothesis that Mick, Mick Heron worked at uh, City Road suggests, right? Yes. Because there is another very good scene in the book which is a bit baffling as to why it's where it is okay okay and i'm just going to sh- share my screen now so that's 58 city road right okay so if, you're wa- if you were walking from over here what would you walk through tim yes of course i was good bun hill right fields. so basically the building he is in 58 city road Adjoins. backs on to bun hill backs on to bun hill fields burial ground and towards the end of towards the end of the book River and his some of the other folk who work in Slough House, they they meet Jackson Lamb in Bunhill Fields. They do for reasons for reasons that are a little bit opaque in the book, as, but it suggested quite a lot of local knowledge. So I think what Mick Heron is doing with this book is essentially describing his walk to work every morning. So Paddington Station, Hammersmith and City Line, Barbican Tube. Walk through the back of Golden Lane Estate, Bunhill Field to Fifty Eight City Road, yeah. and that is basically the, the right what you know, book. right what you know, right, right what you so, know. Uh, so I think I think that's I think Fifty Eight City Road is where he was working. Okay, have you made any gaffes uh, in your time in politics? That yes, I have. <laughs> yes, I have, and I'm, I'm proud of many of them because. Uh, because the important point about gas is that very often, and, and some of them get, some of them obviously uh, I, I regret and I apologise for, but uh, but very often uh, a gaff it turns out to be uh, the round unvarnished. When, when people say that you're making a gaff, uh, what you're what you're really doing is saying something uh, that is that is true and, and, and necessary. Uh, uh, Curiously specific book club. Curiously specific book club. So you've got the end of his you've got the end of his commute. You've got his fifty eight City Road, but and you say that he's basically he went to Oxford University at the same time as Boris Johnson apparently, which is part of the reason. Oh, one of the other characters in this piece is the, I think he's is he the culture secretary or he's, he's a, the culture he's, secretary, but he's got eyes on he's got eyes on being prime minister. It's it's a yeah. really lovely pen portrait of Boris Johnson actually. I think it's rather good. He went to Oxford University and then he's obviously stayed in Oxford and lives there. Right, and as you say, does yeah. that commute? But where does he live, Lloyd? Well, I didn't even look this up. I just kind of, I, I thought it was a bit creepy. I, I thought only a slightly psychotic person would look up <laughs> the actual street address of Mick Heron. What somebody kind of best-selling maybe, author? Somebody who'd maybe spent time chasing down owl conspiracy theories <laughs> might be the sort of person who would want to know where a particular writer lived. But I don't know anyone like that, Tim. 
What I decided was, I thought, well, since I'm on Company's House and I want to look up uh, and I'm looking up stuff, get information about a company, and I thought, well... Did you put his name in? Well, I, he, well, I noticed that he said uh, that, that someone had called him uh, Mick... Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, they got his name wrong in an interview. Mike Heron. Mike, he said, Mike he said, Heron. someone called me Mike Heron. That's not my name. That's yeah. not... So I thought, oh, he's quite particular about... About his name, is he? So, but then I thought, well, maybe if I just put in Michael Heron, uh, it's a slightly weird spelling, isn't it? It's what two, will two I find? Hours. Right? There's a lot of them, obviously. So I had to go through quite a lot of stuff. What's his company called? <laughs> <laughs> Slough House Limited. Very good. Very good. Correspondence address. Yeah, you can. If people want to look this up on Company's House, they can for themselves. But so, so are you going to show me that? Because that looks yes, like an office. Yes, I'll, I'll show you that because... That looks, like, that looks like an office rather than a house. Ah, well, you'd be wrong about that. You'd be wrong about that. <laughs> this, is, this is so sinister. Sometimes I don't think people know how much information about them is well, on Well, you know, house. yeah, exactly. I did, this, I did exactly this with an annoying neighbour, right, a few years ago. Did you? I found out so much information because I didn't know their name. I only know their address. And from just from that, I could find out a tonne of stuff. That's where he lives. In there. Wow. Do we think he lives in there? Yeah. Now I'll tell you why. Why I think he lives in there. Um, uh, just this week, because he's launching his new book, Slough House. Uh, but uh, he's there's an interview in the Guardian uh, with yeah. Charlotte Higgins. It's yeah, I good, read actually. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's rather yeah. good, right? Well, well, yeah. well, well. Did you not notice he says? Uh, oh no, sorry, I didn't read this one. I did read a different Guardian one. It must be an older one. Yeah, this has just happened literally last week. Okay. So he he listens to a lot of CDs. He's into jazz. Yeah, um, oh, he does actually. He's got a crap it. smartphone. You can um, imagine that his flat is a safe house, plain and modest as it is. There we are. You see. Yeah, yeah. So that's very interesting. Yeah. Good stuff. So nice one. Yeah, nice one. Not at all creepy in any way. Was that <laughs> whole experience? Um, if me, if me, if it's Mick a spy novel. If it's Nick Heron is listening, I try to stop him. He just, he just won't. He just has to go deep. <laughs> so we've got where he sleeps, where he works, <laughs> the route he goes to work on. This is beginning to sound like a, you know, like yeah. a surveillance job. Yes, Very exactly. Yes. I like it. Very good. Hello, 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 hello. Good afternoon, everybody. I, I thought I'd better come out and say something because I could see that you were all, you were all in a great, in a great uh, mass here. And I, I apologise for being slow with coming down. You know, you want to ask my, my views on Europe, don't you? I, 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 let, me, let me tell you. Let me tell you where I've, where I've got to, which is that I am, I am. I've made up my mind. Book club. So we left we left River Cartwright uh, walking to Moorgate Station, oh. uh, and we, we we left the listener hanging uh, at Moorgate Station. I said he's gone there because he's changing tube lines. Right. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk us a bit about where you think he might have been going? Yes, I think yes, I would love. Yes, he was at Moorgate. From there, he caught a tube part way, then walked across the park. The rain had stopped at last, but large puddles swamped the footpaths. The sky was still grey, and the air smelled of grass. Joggers loped past, trackies plastered to their legs. 
So he's off to what is called Regent's Park, which is yep. MI5 uh, Five. Five headquarters, yeah. allegedly. And it's referred to as a big white building, a big white building at one point. And there are various other things about it. It's obviously that Jackson Lamb is, he manages to park outside it at well, one point. Yeah. And there's and an underground car park. And there's an it? underground car park. And also Diane Tavener, who's the deputy who's head. the head of, of MI, but acting head. Right? Acting head, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, at one point goes in a lift down to the secret chambers underneath that there's big underground stuff going on, right? Right, so we're looking for a big white house in Regent's Park, or you have to walk across Regent's Park to, uh, that has an underground car park, okay? That's what we're looking for for that building. Now, one thing I'd say to you about what you've just said about the walk of the walk from Barbican across to Moorgate and then catching uh, 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 to get on another line there to go to Regent's Park. If you do the walk you've talked about of gold going Golden Lane across Bum or alongside Bunhill Fields or through it, and then out onto that road and then down to Moorgate. If the idea is that you're catching the Northern Line, which I'm assuming that's what you're doing, right? Well, why would you not go to Old Street? Yeah, it's nearer. It's nearer. Yeah. yeah. You'd go to Old Street. So why do you then walk down from there to Moorgate? Interesting, isn't it? Right? That's the first question. Now, the reason this walk is takes him, he does this, why did, and then the other question is, why does he then take the northern line up to where I think he must go to Camden and then walk from Camden to then walk across the park uh, to where he would more or less be back at Regent's Park or Portland or, or, or um, Portland. Oh, so why doesn't he get Great the, uh, the Hammersmith and City line from Barbican? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, right? And yeah, get, yeah. get out at Great Portland Street. Yeah, actually yeah. probably the best thing yeah right yeah yeah doesn't make any sense except that he know what he's obviously and there's a plot spoiler here is that the reason he wants to sort of take a bit of time to get there is that he wants to tamper with the flash box doesn't he? to get the stuff out of it without it exploding um so and take a copy so so that he's um so so at some point he needs a bit of privacy in yeah. order to do that thing now yeah, so he's not going to nice. do that He's not going to do that on the tube. And he walks, it says that he walked through the estate and got to Moorgate in 15 minutes. So did he tamper with it in the Golden Estate, a Golden Lane or Estate? Or Bunhill Fields. Or in Bunhill Fields, right. And then, he, and then, he, and then he's at Moorgate. Yeah. Or, or does he need to do it in the park on the way there? That goes and do it, does it in Regent's Park. Okay, so now I'm saying he gets out of Camden. He walks across yep. there. And it's and it goes says, up Park, Camden Parkway up the, yeah, up the road, and then he walks across. So then he and he says he walks across the park, so past the zoo. Well, he doesn't mention the zoo. He doesn't mention the zoo. He mentions the joggers. Uh, so he's coming in off Camden Town, as you say up here. The joggers yeah, are on yeah. are usually jogging around the outer circle, right? So, he, um, so if but he, he turns didn't... left there, he wouldn't go past the zoo. No, you're right. I see what you mean. Yeah. You see what I mean? He wouldn't so go turns, past the zoo. If he turns zoo. south down the outer circle. Yes. He wouldn't go past the zoo. Right? No, he'd yeah, go gotcha. past Cumberland Terrace and down that Cumberland way. To, Terrace, as if he was walking yeah. towards Great Portland Street. So it seems to me that he's... that because By not mentioning the zoo, or even the sounds of the zoo, we're yeah. not talking about that bit of it. We're not talking about the primrose. He's clearly giving you and me a steer, Tim. Mick is clearly giving you and me a steer, and he's saying, it's not that way, guys. 
It's yeah, the other way. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Okay, yeah, so I start looking for houses there. I understand that we <laughs> that we are we we are you know our remit is to be curiously specific about dates yeah. and locations. Annoyingly and we're de- specific. And we're dealing with writers who just make shit up. I do yeah, understand yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I end up at this one and the uh, Royal College of Physicians uh. Uh, headquarters. Yeah. The current headquarters of the Royal College of Physicians is a grade one listed building designed by renowned architect Sir Dennis Lasden, opened in 1964 next to Regent's Park. It's widely considered a modernist masterpiece and one yeah. of London's most important war buildings. Yeah, no, well, I think I've been. I think I've been to an event there. It's right. a fantastic building, and it looks it, it it looks the part to me. It's there, isn't it? It's just yeah. there. Yeah, that's perfect. Right. Uh, if look, if Her Majesty did throw react, a wobbly, if she did, if she did throw a wobbly in response to a Euro sermon from the former leader of the Liberal Democrats, <laughs> then I have to say I can understand at a human level, Nick. At a human level, I can understand how she how she felt. But again, I don't want to. I, I haven't don't, seen that, you that, laugh like that in eight I years. Don't think, <laughs> I don't. I don't think that can t- be taken as authenticating no, the story. Okay, no. even okay. though it's in the Daily Express. <laughs> So Jackson goes to meet Diana Taverner next to the uh, uh, Regent's Canal. The meet was by the canal, near where the towpath came to an end and the water disappeared inside a long tunnel. Lamb had chosen it because it cut down on directions of approach and he didn't trust Diana Taverner. For the same reason, he got there first. It was approaching two. A quarter moon was blotted now and then by passing clouds. A house across the water was lit all three stories, and he could hear chatter and occasional laughter from smokers in the garden. She came from the angel end, her approach signalled by the tapping of her heels on the path, and then quickly jumping ahead, she looked beyond him at the treed slope leading up to the road. So, so where do they meet? So, they're obviously talking about the Islington Tunnel, right? Yes. Which is the tunnel that runs basically under the angel from uh, the King's Cross end, through to the Islington end. It's the long, it's the longest canal tunnel in London by some distance. No towpath. It was built very narrowly. It was built in the yeah. It's nine hundred and sixty yards long under Angel Islington. Opened eighteen eighteen, uh-huh. and there's no there's no path. So you used to, you used to have to go do that thing walking along the wall to to take things. And then for a while it had a steam crank that pulled pulled the boats through on a chain. Wow. From, from the outside end. The question is, which end of the tunnel are they talking about, right? Which is, uh, which is kind of, it's not entirely e- easy to answer. I'm just going to quickly. Um, ah, I thought you would be all screen. over this. I thought this would be easy for you. It, it 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 kind of is easy, but it's 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 if it would be easier if we could get out of the bloody house. Frankly, can you see that? Yep. Uh, so if I click on Islington Tunnel West. Look at that for flyby. Oh, you're using Google Earth. I'm using Google Earth. I you love a big bit. kid. Google Earth, me. <laughs> so that's 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 the King's Cross end, the West End, right? You see the towpath. Yeah. But you can't really see any. You can see that, but that's kind of you can't really oh, see any housing or anything like okay. that on the other side. Yeah, yeah. And this doesn't really. This sort of qualifies as a treed slope, but when I show you the other one, I think you'll think it's more compelling. So now I'm going over to Islington Tunnel. Ooh, flying um, through. More houses. Yes. Right? More houses. Uh, oh, that looks much more so like it. If you were standing here, yes. you'd be looking up at that house. 
Yes, you would. And there'd be people talking in the garden. There's the tunnel, and there's the treed slope running up to the road. Oh, that's... So I'm pretty sure they're meeting right here. I'm with you. Uh, under there. So it's the, it's, the, it's the east end of the tunnel. All right, we're going to go on the canal here. That house uh, straight ahead is where Boris Johnson lived with his wife, Marina. And often my friend lived just over there, and she was often um, woken by people yelling outside Boris's house. Uh, I don't know where he is now. Somewhere or other. So one of the things I've been doing while in lockdown, whiling away the time, is watching really tedious YouTube videos. Haven't we all? <laughs> and uh, one of them that was quite tedious, but I thought, oh, well, that's quite an interesting idea, was watching Alexi Sale, the comedian, go for a bike ride and, and sort of and film himself <laughs> talking while he's on Has his he bike. Has he done that? And he's done that during lockdown? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And yeah. he just and he literally just tells you where he's going and what he's doing. He is cycling from Mount Pleasant, which is uh, in Farringdon, yeah. so really not very far from the Barbican, as it were. No, um, he must live around there. Uh, but he goes down the Regent's Canal, and he basically okay. uh, he goes across. So he goes up to, goes up to Kings Cross. And well, he goes to Sadler's to Wells canal. and across there. But where where he gets onto the where he gets onto the canal is exactly where you're talking about. Yeah. He, so he's on the east side, the east end of the tunnel that you've described. And he goes across there and he goes up a street and then in through the gate and d exactly down the walkway that's described onto the canal. So he gets onto the canal at the Islington end. Yes. And now here's the thing. Here's the thing. The one, the one thing he says just as he's going past there is there's a massive swanky house on the corner as you go yeah. down, enter onto the canal there. And he said, oh, of course, that used to be Boris Johnson's house. He sold it recently. Will you have a cup of tea? Will, will you apologize for your comments? Would you like a cup of tea? Yeah, sure. Please go on, have a cup of tea. Thank you, thank you. Do you, do you regret... Would you like a cup of tea? Do you regret your comments? Do you regret your comments? Don't regret your comments, have a cup of tea. Thank you very much. There you go. There you go. Do you regret your comments, sir? I want you You want you to have a cup of tea. So are we are we saying then that Diana Taverner and Jackson Lamb have their meeting near Boris Johnson's house? Absolutely, right by it. Yeah, good, okay. isn't it? And the reason because there's a reference, good. there's a reference mm. to Jackson saying there's a party going on at the house on the other side of the canal. There you are, you see. Which could then, be Boris's house, right? But that, there's a reason why that's interesting in the, with regard to this book, right? So in the story, actually simultaneously, yeah. it intercuts between their meeting on the canal and another yeah. meeting going on between a, 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 a sort of a disgraced right-wing journalist, yeah. Hobden, uh, who's come to visit uh, the culture secretary, Peter Judd, PJ. PJ. To, to tell him about this incident of the beheading and that, that the operation's gone a bit wrong because it turns out, spoiler alert, that the whole thing of the kidnap is a setup. Uh, by rogue elements of MI5 to kind of scare the public about sort of Muslim operations. Well, it's even worse. It's even worse than that, isn't it? It's a setup to show that MI5 can be effective against That's right. rogue elements. So it's actually set up by Diana Taverner. She she sets up these two guys to kidnap this young young man uh, in order that she can then arrest them, and yeah. everyone will think MI5 is great at arresting right wing supremacists which right. uh, they clearly haven't been so, so they're all yeah. entangled in this this sort of fake operation 
And uh, Peter Judd is so obviously Boris Johnson. So they're, they're <laughs> because, it, as described, yeah. Peter Judd, PJ to his friends and everyone else, fluffy-haired and youthful at 48. I'm not sure... And there we are. When was Boris He's not 48, 48 anymore. So this is 10 years ago. So he, brought, he, he would have been about 48. Yeah. And with a vocabulary... Listen to this, though. And with a vocabulary peppered with archaic expostulations. Balderdash, Tommy Rot, oh my giddy aunt. Peter yeah. Judd had long established himself as the unthreatening face of the old school right, popular enough with the great British public, which thought him an amiable idiot to make a second living outside Parliament as a rent-a-quote media whore come quiz show panel favourite and to Who get away could with... Could he be talking about? Yeah, and to get away with minor peccadilloes... Page like turn. dicking his kid's nanny, robbing the tax man blind and giving his party leader conniptions with off-script flourishes. Damn fine city, he'd remarked on a trip to Paris. Probably worth defending next time. Which is exactly the kind of thing... Not everyone who worked with him thought him a total buffoon and some who'd witnessed him lose his temper suspected him of political savvy, but by and large PJ seemed happy with the image he'd either fostered or been born with. A loose cannon with a floppy haircut and a bicycle. Who could that be? <laughs> it's not... It's not. There's not a lot of room for guesswork, is there? No. So they're having this discussion, and he and he does turn out to be quite a nasty piece of work yeah, and yeah. very ambitious. And, and also very and very plugged into right-wing networks as well. Yes, and that Hobden is sort of blackmailing, saying, I've got a photograph of you with some very dodgy people that, that you wouldn't like people to see. Uh, so they get into a kind of, are you threatening me kind of thing. And then PJ sort of, I think he breaks a glass doesn't he and sort yeah, of yeah, loses yeah, yeah. his temper and says the c word the c word is used with uh, with some abandon yes so so again it sort of uh shows that and then it it's very sort of prescient i think it's given this was written in 2008 2009 hobden said because we both know the tide's turning the decent people in this country are sick to death of being held hostage by mad liberals in brussels and the sooner we take control over our own future our own borders It'll happen, and within the lifetime of your government, he said, this is what Hobton is saying to Johnson, yeah. we both know that. Not this parliament, but probably the next, 2015, which, by which time we both know where you're expected to be living, and it won't be Islington, will it? It'll be Downing Street. Yeah. So that is, that he wrote is, that, that in 2009. Yeah, he wrote that in 2009, and it's gone yeah. exactly to plan, really. Can, yeah, yeah. Maybe five years later, but I'm, so I, I'm feeling uh, a little. I'm feeling a little bit chilled reading that again. Now. Yeah. Well, ch- I have to say, sort of chapeau to Mick Heron that he uh, absolutely that, that that he saw he, he saw in in just one paragraph he can sort of summarise where that's all going in the next ten years. There is a risk that the government is becoming out of touch with what people are actually doing. I mean, I have some perfectly respectable neighbours, uh, good bourgeois types who um, I without giving the game away or naming them. You know, whenever they're sitting in of an evening, got nothing else to do, they roll up a spliff and, and quietly smoke it together. Well, let's talk about dating then. So, what do we know? We know he was writing the book in 2009. Mm-hmm. We know it was originally published in 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opening scene of the book takes place in King's Cross Station, in which River is taking part in an exercise in which he's got to he's got to track somebody who's a suspected terrorist. He talks in quite a lot of detail about moving from going to platforms 9 and 10 
Yes, which I used to station. use a lot, obviously. I used to use a lot as well because uh, Cambridge, like you, like you, we I went to a certain university. Mm. Platforms nine and ten, which are obviously the Harry Potter platforms, are at, we used to be in a separate building, they a did. side building from mm. so they were built like 20 years after the original King's Cross Station. It was a really shit. It was a really shit bit of the station, wasn't it? Was it was a really grubby, grimy yeah, yeah. little place. And in the, in the book, it's clear that that is still the case, right, in the, in the book. Yes, so, it's which definitely makes sense that. Because the new King's Cross concourse, which is where it's all you know under one amazing kind of uh, roof, yep. opened in 2012. Right? Of course, so for the Olympics. A, for the Olympics, yeah. We've got, we've and was got, being developed before any, that. So when was it shut? When were not, 9 and 10 shut? Oh, I don't know. Did they ever shut them? Well, they, they they didn't just magically open it in 2012. They took a couple of years to build it, didn't they? And you weren't allowed to walk in there. No, but I'm not sure they ever shut the platforms, did, did they? I think they did. Well, anyway, the book isn't set any later than 2012, and it doesn't refer to shut platforms. So there's a reference right at the beginning of the book to the iPhone. Yes. Introduced 2007. Okay. So, so it's between so now, 2007 yeah, yeah. and 2012. You're circling in. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're circling in. Circling yeah. in. Yeah. Uh, and the book starts in January. Yes. Right, over to you. Okay, so uh, I'm not. Well, is that all you've got? I thought you'd do better. No, I've than got that. two. I've got. I've got two other things. Uh, you've got, take, you're waiting to ambush me now, aren't you? You're waiting to no, ambush no, I just, me. I, but I, I thought you wanted to jump in. There's oh, a no, reference I, I, to the, allow uh, me to jump BNP, in. Allow me to jump to BNP, in. BNP winning two seats. Uh, there's, there's a lot of references to the British National Party and and to far right organisations. The British right National Party won two seats. When was won that? Two seats when. Uh, the June European elections of 2009. Ah, okay. Okay. And okay. they were taken to court, there's another reference to that in the book, Yeah. in August 2009. 2009. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And then the clincher yeah. Go is... On then. Go on then. Reference to England in the quali- uh, in the football. Oh, there, there's, there's, a, there, there's a... There, yes. World Cup qualifying. They won. They, lo- they played on the 9th of September... And won. They lost on the tenth of October, and they won on the fourteenth of October. So in two thousand and nine, to... in two thousand nine. Okay, can we just? So that's all very good, but but wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought it might be. Brilliant that you've done that. <laughs> you've made my day. So I can. I, I've done a bit more on this. But the football one, I think. No. Is, let's get the. No, let, you let, haven't. Let's, you, you, you surprised me. <laughs> let's get the football one in, shall we? Because I think that that might be a bit of a clue. River returned to the screen. The newspaper the boy held trembled. It's to do with the the the, the film of the the guy by the boy's been kidnapped. Yeah. He's holding a back page showing England triumph last night's World Cup qualifier. England's okay. triumph. Well, okay. So. So it's got to be either. I'm contending it's got to be either the 9th of September or the 14th of October. If it's 2009. <laughs> okay. Well, he's putting it out there. Go on then. If it's. It's got to be 2009. BNP won two seats in the European elections in 2009. It's got to be that. This story actually, you know, it said starts on a Tuesday. Um, uh, in January. In January, but actually, then it says eight months later. That River yeah. turns up at the pace, and he he turns up yeah. on a Tuesday. He says it's a Tuesday yeah. that he's so going through the bins. September. No, eight months. It, it's October. That's nine months from January. Come on. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so a ball doesn't by... make any difference to me anyway. It could be September or October. Okay, so here's another reference about Min when we're introduced to one of the other characters. Min checked his pockets, reminded himself not to, then poured a drink and tuned the radio to the sports channel. 
as ball-by-ball commentary on an overseas test match filled the room. Yeah. A rewritten history swarmed through his head. So there's an overseas test match going on. Yeah. In September, October. Now, if you go and check, uh, there isn't... Uh, there, there, England aren't playing one, so he's not listening doesn't to... Doesn't mention a, England. Doesn't mention England. No, he doesn't. No. But it, even if he was trying to, there, there isn't an overseas test match of that sort that then. So, But there is. Yeah, so there is. The Australian 2008-9 against India. Okay. So there's no test matches in September or October 2009 anywhere in the world. Is that? Is that if you? No, checked? no. But we cross check it now. Now we do some cross checking. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm looking now. Now we do some cross checking, because what you've okay. got to now tell me is when was there an overseas test match going on uh, on a, on a when on the Wednesday when there was also a, a World Cup England World Cup qualifier. Okay. Well, when, interestingly, when are, when are and, those I, and, and I'm going to give you, and I'm going to give you this one. There are no, literally no, overseas test matches in September or October 2009. I'm looking on Crick Info, the kind of thing you can do when you're doing this from home, on Crick Info. There's a, there's a test match uh, at the end of August, and there's a test match in the middle of November. Thank so there's you very a gap much. between there. Now, so now if we look there at There is no overseas yeah. test match. Yeah, but so there is a, on, in 2008, between the 9th and 13th of October, there is an Australia versus yeah. India test. With Sachin Tendulkar getting to some quite massive target of runs, lifetime runs. Okay, so there's so the... England won. England won a, uh, a qualifying game on the 11th of October, 2008. Yes. Against Kazakhstan, and they yeah. also won against Belarus on the 15th of October. Yes. Yes. And oh, I don't like. I don't like the way this is going. <laughs> no, you don't is, like the way is, this is going, this do is, you? This is. This is this is destroying all my um, all my all my research. It's just blowing up. I'm a year out. <laughs> Trouble with your theory. There is a big big hole in your theory. There's a big BNP shaped hole in your theory. Well, I think right. you have to go and talk to Michael Heron about that. <laughs> British National Party. Mm. There's a reference to the British National Party winning two seats at a European election. Where is that actually? The specific reference that says it's happened that year. Jetson Lamb is talking to Taverner, mm. right? He's talking to Taverner. Mm. She says, we were in the frontline club the night of the Euro elections, the night the BNP won two seats, remember? And this is why she's explaining what the, init- what the initial impetus for this yes. strange conspiracy she says, is. It? But didn't they, win look- some, didn't they win some elections before that? Nope. Um, they never uh, did. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do my best Steve Coogan. 1999 European elections... No seats. 2004 European elections, no seats. 2009 European elections, two seats. Okay. 2014 European elections, no seats. And also, there is a reference Very to good. the BNP being taken to court. They were taken to court in August 2009 for their membership well, policies. Uh, what can I say? So do we think this worked, remote podcasting? I'm frustrated. I do want to get it's out got, there. It's got, it's got advantages, but it's got more disadvantages. Well, mate, I think we, I we have to leave on the us. idea that, you know, one of the things that we can't do is we usually finish off some, We usually finish in a pub. We do usually finish in a pub. And we don't get to but do I'm a pub. I'm at home and it's, uh, it's still Saturday morning and I think that would be a bit weird. One of the safe houses is on Rupel Street. Street. Uh, in, in Waterloo, and the, is it the King's yeah, yeah. Head? 
King's Arms. King's Arms. So I'm just thinking that's that I would if you if we can problem. um you you started with road road sounds. I'd quite like to wouldn't it be nice to leave on pub sounds and imagine oh, yeah. that we 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 were we'd stopped at the King's Arms and we're just reviewing it so, uh, our, we're, our, we're our on, little we're journey Rupel over Street. The, yeah. We're on Rupel Street. We found the house where the uh, kidnap is uh, being held in the cellar. Yeah, the say, there's the kidnap room. house in the cellar um, of Rupel Road, and then so, Street. Oh, look, look, look! Here on the corner, there's a pub. There's a lovely What's pub. What's it called, Tim? Oh, What's the King's called, Arms. Tim? Okay, yeah. let's go in and have a drink. Drink. Yeah, you know what we should drink here, though, mate. What? We should have a Guinness here. Do you know why? Why? Well, um, because uh, in October, two thousand and eight. Uh, they filmed the Christmas Guinness advert on Rupel Street. Did they? Yeah. Uh, they Did didn't they notice really? the terrorist incident going on just next door. Maybe we'll find Mick Heron in here, Tim. Ah, oh, do you know what? I'd very happily buy this man a pint. I, I enjoy these books are fun. I've read the second one as well. They're they're very well yeah, put me together. Too. Um, me too. Carefully put together, and they and and they provide. They've got lots of sort of topical stuff. Um, they They've got their own style as well. Yeah. Very, very, very his own distinctive style. So it's like Dayton. I'd be very happy to buy Michael Heron a pint. In fact, I might just get well, up to Oxford and take it to his front door. You take him around.